Amen. That was great. We can go start our New Year's Eve festivities. Uh, no, that's uh, such a true reminder, and thank you, Paul, for that. And um, truly, truly ties in even to where we're going to be in, in John today. So I just, uh, once again, am humbled and in awe of how the Holy Spirit works and lays things on the hearts of people within the body, and then we all come together with that. So good morning and welcome to Calvary Chapel of Chapel Hill. Um, uh, and it's uh, great to have you with us this morning. If this is your first time visiting and you do not have a Bible, we've got a haircut usher on today. And so if you need a Bible, raise your hand up. He's got a whole stack ready to go. There we go. We got one. We got one. Do we got two? Two Bibles. Two Bibles. Who wants a Bible? Um, so again, Grab that Bible if you do not have one, or if you're feeling like you want a screen break, grab the Bible, take a screen break, and, and use the old paper one. Um, again, this is our last time gathering in 2023. When we come together again, it'll be next year. I'll see you next year. Um, back when I was in education, my students always used to get really frustrated because I really would go over the top with that next year and see how many times in that last class I'd be like, next year when we gather again, next year when we're in the sanctuary, next year when we have prayer and praise. Uh, but I promise I won't do that throughout this whole message today. Um, so we got the reminders, prayer and praise. Band of Brothers, where's Bernie? Thank you. Try it again. All right, good. We'll take it. That, that's fine. And remember, on cue. Band of Brothers. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, make sure you sign up for that breakfast. And uh, again, Acts 2.42 Sundays. Really excited to get this started. And Paul covered it all um, there. And just the conviction and heart as we move into this new year. Family, biblical manhood, us fulfilling our calls in our family units, and us as a body coming together to pray and worship and praise. So really make time for those things. Uh, and also want to let folks know on this upcoming Friday at 11 a.m., we'll be having the memorial service for our beloved Barry Peace. Um, so if you are able to be there for that, please come. We would love to have as many um, of our brothers and sisters there to support our dear, precious sister, Ella. Um, and I just encourage us all, continue to keep her in prayer, and let's just do what this body does well, which is love and come alongside and care for her in this time. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day to be in your house, Lord, to worship you and to praise you, Heavenly Father. And Lord, we do, as we gather today, uh, we do lift up our precious sister Ella to you, Lord God, and we just ask you, Heavenly Father, to minister to her amidst this time, Lord God. Um, and we thank you for the witness that the love of this precious couple has been to this body, to me personally, Lord God. And we just pray that you pour your love, your grace, your mercy, your peace over her upon this time. We thank you, Lord, that we have the peace and comfort of knowing where Barry is and that we'll all be reunited again, Lord, in your presence and how great that day will be, Lord God. And Father, we pray for Friday. We pray, Lord, for those that will be their family members um, and folks that don't know you, Lord that they would come to know you that day, that, that as we reflect on and celebrate the life of this precious saint, they would want to know that they know where they will be when they breathe their last breath. And Lord, be with us now as we prepare to go into your word, cast aside the distractions, and help us to focus on you alone. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, amen. amen. So last week we gathered, we had our Christmas time, we were in the book of Isaiah, and we looked at chapter 9, verses 9 and 6, and in the midst of that, uh, just to do that charge check-in from that message, did you receive Jesus within this last Christmas? Did you and do you relish the gift of Jesus? Do you radiate the gift of Jesus? 
all for his glory. So thinking of those things and remembering that we don't just ponder, we don't just think about our Savior's birth one day a year. We don't just think about it, okay, Christmas and then Easter, we'll have that good time. One of the brothers last week gave me a new, a new term, creasters, the, the people who come on Christmas and Easter. Let's not focus on that, but let's try to focus on celebrating the birth of our Savior every day. What would it look like for this new year coming in, 2024, every single day you wake up and celebrate that Jesus was born, Jesus died on the cross for you, and you get to live for him. Within last week's passage, we saw the character of our Savior. We saw how wonderful he is. The wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That peace that only he ushers in, that eternal peace that comes within our hearts. Only one that we can go to, Jesus, King of all. Now today, we're going to continue back in the Gospel of John, and we're in John chapter 6, verses 15 to 21, and we're looking with a message I've entitled, Voyage 24. And if we recall, the last time that we gathered and were looking at the Gospel of John, we saw Jesus feed the multitude. And we saw that that was at least, you know, some scholars say 10,000. It's probably closer to 20,000 that were there. And we saw those different crowd pictures. If we can get that map up of the region, just want us to recall the area. And this is a little different map than we usually look at because it gives us a chance to actually see the sea but then see where we're talking about as we look at this story. Um, Lake Gennesaret, as we know, Sea of Galilee, Tiberias, we talked about that. Where they're going, I tried to do two big lines that go down that are orange. The site is where they are. They're traveling across to Capernaum. This is where Jesus is going to be sending them. It's about six miles across. The depth that we're talking about is about 600 um, to 700 feet below sea level where this body of water sits. So you can see within that picture how it kind of sits within that divot. And as we look at the storm, it's going to be important to remember the geography of, of what's going on and where this region is. When we looked at this last time, we also saw the tie to the feeding of the multitude to Moses. And I want to just remind us of that because we're going to see a few other parallels as we go through this passage today that draw us again to looking at the similarities with Moses coming before. So if we think about that manna in the wilderness and we see beside a desolate area where they are and that physical need is met. And then today as we go onward, we're going to see physical safety being met. Yet Jesus' purpose within all of these needs that are being met is to point to the spiritual need that he fulfills. And again, this is all laying the foundation for when Jesus will say, I am the bread of life. So today in our passage, we're going to see Jesus avoid the mob that's seeking to lift him up as king, as the political king that they seek. We're going to see Jesus model the necessity of going away and taking time to pray. The necessity of communing with our Father. We're going to see his disciples obey his command. They're going to obey what God tells them to do and get into the boat. We're going to see a storm amidst the obedience. We're going to see the struggle of man when the storm hits. We're going to then see Jesus, who is all-knowing, walk on water and show his care. We're going to see Jesus as deliverer and rescuer. We're going to see Jesus remind that he is the great I am. And we're going to see him do the supernatural once again. It's a few short verses that we're going to be looking at. But it lays such 
a foundation, I think, timing-wise for us as we ponder another year ahead for us as believers, as we ponder what I like to think of the year ahead as a voyage and the boat that we're going to go in, our vessel, which is ourselves serving the Lord. So let us now stand and let's read John chapter 6, verses 15 to 21. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord God, I ask that you would help us as we look at this story that so many of us know, Lord. So many of us know the encounter of the storm on the sea and you comment, Lord. I pray that you would help us to look at it with open and new eyes to receive what you would have for us on this day, Heavenly Father. That you let each time we look at stories, we know that it would be fresh for us, Lord God, to receive what your spirit wants for us to embrace and learn and move forward with from this, Heavenly Father, the manna for today. And Holy Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit fill me and equip me and lead me and guide me that the words that come out are exactly what are needed for the people here today, Lord, and that it be illuminated for them and for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So we start with verse 15. Have a seat. Um, Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself. So we see right there again, Jesus doing what he always does, yielded to God's timing, God's way, doing what needs to be done. It's not like there's a big confrontation with the mob and he says, no, you don't understand. This is why I've come. I've come to be the savior and just gives everything right then and there. That's not what happens. But Jesus is sought after them because guess what he just did? We saw he fulfilled their physical need quite supernaturally. And they see that and say, you got to be our king. Now, they're not talking king of our lives. They're talking the king that's going to lead a revolution against Rome and we will be free. You've got to be our king. And we think about that. Our culture today, so many people, so many pulpits are saying, well, when we look at everything going on, Jesus was revolutionary. Jesus was such a revolutionist. Like, Jesus would be so with the masses today. Okay, maybe, and when he's with them, he would not let them stay the way they are. That's the revolutionary side of our Savior. He revolutionizes. He transforms on the inside. When you come to meet Jesus face-to-face, when you come to know him face-to-face, ain't no way you're going to stay the same. You just can't if you've truly communed and met with him. He has come to fulfill that spiritual need and give that spiritual transformation. It's the spirit of the living God that comes and communes in the believer that never allows you to stay as you are. So they're desiring a political king. He's saying, no way, that's, that's, that's not what I came for. And he moves away from them. And what does he do? He departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Jesus now goes to the mountain alone. There's only so many times in scripture we see Jesus actually have that moment alone. And he's taking this now. Now, youth group, you know, 
when we look at some encounters in the gospel, and we went through Mark, and that's maybe why we haven't finished Mark just yet, but we would look at other portions of the gospels so that we see the way it all ties together. So the other two gospels that give us this account are Matthew and Mark, and we're going to delve into John, but simultaneously look at both of those other passages so we get the full picture, so we get everything that we have to glean here. So let's start with Matthew 14, and we'll read through Matthew's account. Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. So we see first, immediately, what does Jesus do as this crowd is trying to make him ruler? He tells them, go into the boat. So right after he's done all this wonderful thing, he protects his disciples from the mob that's coming. And I think if you think of the characters at play, they needed some protection. Judas would have loved if he became the king and he could be treasurer. Boy, would he have loved that. Peter, if we think about Gusto Peter, he would have been like, I'll be your prime minister, man. I got this. So it's a good thing that 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 protection came there from them going to the crowd. And he tells them, get in the boat, go to the other side. Well, he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself, which we see in John, but we get an important detail here, to pray. He goes by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now it was the fourth watch, and we know fourth watch would be about 3 to 6 a.m. of the night, and Jesus went to them. So there's distress, and he goes to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And now we get another moment that happens within this encounter that we don't see in John. And Peter answered answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, come to me, uh, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And let's look at Mark's account. And we'll reference both of these accounts as we go through. And Mark, we're looking at Mark chapter 6 for his account of this. And we look at Mark chapter 6, verse 45. Immediately, pop quiz, youth group, what's the Greek word for immediately? I heard it. Thank you. You said it, Salvai. Euthios. Good. That was a little cheering joke we had. I didn't get as many, but that's okay. He made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea. They're in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Those few moments, Jesus being alone again. Then he saw them straining at rowing. Remember that. We're going to come back and look at that. He saw them. For the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, he saw them and they see him. They supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. 
Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, caring for them. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. They're not fully grasping that spiritual need and reality. So we go back to our text now. We see the full picture of everything taking place. And the first thing we focus on is the second half of verse 15 in our text. He departed again to the mountain by himself alone. This is the first important nugget that we get on this encounter. Jesus' focus on prayer. Jesus taking time to pray. In the other accounts we see, he goes and he's praying. He's taking that time. In the midst of that storm that they're having, he sees them. He's praying. Jesus prayed. So the question from that, on the eve of a new year, how is your prayer life? In 2023, how was your prayer life? Is there anything within your prayer life that you need to make a shift so that in 2024, prayer can be more of a priority? And we're offering more opportunities as a fellowship. We're called, biblically, it's one of the four things in Acts 2.42 that the church is called to commit to, prayer. And when you look at prayer within the book of Acts, they're doing it over and over in one accord. And boy, did the power and might of our Savior come through. We need to be in prayer as a body of believers. So again, pray. Look at your schedules. This Wednesday, when we have prayer and praise, if Wednesdays normally don't work, make this Wednesday work. It's the only time we can be together as a family. Okay, well, come for the hour, hour and a half. And then go have other fun. Go to Yo Pop after. But truly, let's make that a priority in this new year. Prayer is a ministry in and of itself. You want to serve your church? Come to prayer. Be in prayer. Now we look at verse 16. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So the storm is brewing. Now, we got a map of the storm, and I want to just have us look at this so we see the land. If you look, there's all of this high elevation around there. So the cool air from the Mediterranean Sea would come, and it goes over the sea, crashes with the warm air that's there, and boom, you get that storm. That's how that storm's happening. So geographically, in that region, this would be something that would happen on the Sea of Galilee because of the fact, as the day goes on, it gets cooler, that cool breeze comes over, crashes into it, and boom, cool, warm wind over the body of water. They're in the boat, and remember, they're in the boat, why? God said, God told them, go in the boat to Capernaum. He gave the directive to go into the boat. And these are seasoned fishermen, So we know that too. It's not like they're getting into the boat and kind of thinking, okay, well, what do we do now? How do we row this thing, Lord? I've never been in a boat. They know how to be in the boat. They would know and they would have probably dealt with some of these storms on the sea that comes, but this is quite a mighty one. And the distance that they have to go is only about five or six miles. If you look at where we were on that map, it's the upper edge. It's only about six miles that they're trying to go across. And we see... In verse 18, then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So when they rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. So they've only gone three or four miles at this point. And they began at night, and we know from the other accounts it's the fourth watch, 3 to 6 a.m. So they've been going and rowing for at least seven or eight hours. Going and rowing and trying to get across. God gave them direction 
to go into the boat, and they're in a storm. I don't understand how that could happen. If God gives conviction on something to do in your life, and you obey the Lord's conviction, then everything should be picture perfect and easy, shouldn't it? Right? There's an error here. No. The reality is, when we obey the Lord... When we do what God directs us, tells us, commands us, compels us, convicts us to do in our lives and we are in obedience to him, storms are going to come. There will be storms. And some might be really challenging, some might be not so challenging, but there will be storms. Because living for Jesus goes against the tide. If you think about the picture we saw, the wind's coming this way, they're going that way. They're going right into that wind. Living for Jesus, we go against the tide. In our culture, being sold out for Jesus, I think we could say maybe goes a little bit against the mob mentality right now. It goes against the crowd. And in that, we have to understand being at the center of God's will, there will be hardships, there will be trials. And he's our deliverer, he's our rescuer amidst that. James 1, we look at it many times, it tells us that we're going to have trials. And we are to count it joy because those trials that come refine us. They shape us to be more of who he needs us to be for his glory. When we look also, Psalm 23.1, we're studying the Psalms on Wednesdays. And we only did that first verse this last Wednesday. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And if we really think about what that means, he as shepherd, and give a listen if you haven't, we walked through shepherd in the scriptures. He as shepherd provides all that I need. That is enough. I shall not want. Because whatever circumstance, whatever situation God has me in, I shall not want because he as my shepherd is sufficient. So the question we have to then think about is, how did you handle in reflection the storms of 2023? How did you do when the storms came in 2023? And as we move into a new year, how are you going to handle the storms that may, that will come? And it's not trying to be, whoa, this is a gloom hum hung on New Year's Eve, but it's the reality. There will be storms in the year ahead. Little ones, big ones, tiny ones, fun ones, not so fun ones. But how are you going to approach them? How will you handle them? Well, let's look at how our men here handled it. How did the disciples handle it? Let's go to Mark 6 to see their handling of the situation. And we're going to be back in Mark 6. We're going to look at verse 47. Now, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Now, that first verse that we're looking at in the context of how they handle the storm is important. They handle the storm starting in obedience to God. So the first thing before we even think about you pondering How am I going to handle the storms of 2024? Are you in submission and obedience to God first and foremost? Are you in submission to him? Are you surrendered to him? Are you yielded to him? Then verse 48. Then he saw them straining at rowing for the wind was against them. So we see here, they're in the midst of this storm. They're rowing very difficultly and they're straining. The Greek there is to torture. It's vexed with grievous pains. This is an intense straining and effort that I don't know how many of us would really want to be dealing with in a boat. I know personally I would not. We know how I am with fishing. So when we think about this, in this storm, what happens? Jesus sees them and he's praying. We need to first be reminded, saints, when we are in the midst of the storm, Jesus sees you. 
Don't forget that. In the midst of the storm, he sees you. But if we look at their response, straining at rowing for the wind was against them. How close is that to us if we want to be honest and real, which we're always real at Calvary Chapel, Chapel Hill. If we're real about how we are in storms, what do we do when the hardship comes? Okay, I got to make a plan. I got to do better. I got to do more. I got to just try harder. I got to get in there. I got to, I got to, I must, I must, I got to, I got to do this. We do rather than pray. That's what we, guilty as charged. We do rather than pray. For 2024, can your default be prayer? The storm comes, prayer. Then in John, we know that he sees and he comes to them. Jesus walks on the water. Jesus walks over through the storm to come to them. It's another imagery that we have to realize. That storm that we're in is under the sovereignty of our Savior. It is under him. That very thing that's causing them turmoil in that time, he walks right over it. The very storms that we go through, that we will go through, the Lord sees us in the midst of it, and it's under his dominion. He is sovereign. He is in control. Jesus sees, Jesus knows, Jesus has dominion to walk over and through the storm. And then how do they respond when he comes to them? Verse 49 of Mark 6. When they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. So they see him, they see Jesus coming. Oh my goodness, it's a ghost, I'm scared. Comfort and deliverance is coming, yet they meet it with fear. Because guess what? If you're in the midst of the storm and you're too busy doing, you're stifling the Holy Spirit to give you discernment. When you're too busy doing in the storm, you miss the chance to discern and see where the Lord may actually be bringing comfort and deliverance. And instead, what might be coming as comfort and deliverance is, oh my goodness, I'm so nervous. Why is that happening? Why is the phone ringing right now? That could be the person who's going to offer help in the situation that you're in. But you're looking at it with fear. You're not taking the moment to slow down. Holy Spirit, discern. What do I need to do right now, Lord? How do I handle this circumstance that comes? In the midst of the storm, we need to recall who our God is. Turn to Psalm 18. We've studied that a few weeks ago. And if we think about this is a psalm of beautiful, great deliverance. And it starts... Where all the deliverance has to start, submission to God. First, verse 1 of Psalm 18. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. We could spend an hour and a half there. I love you, God, Lord, personal covenant relationship, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Pray that tonight, folks. Lord, be my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. And notice it doesn't start, I'm going to be saved from my enemies. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Call upon his name. And dare I say, in the challenge, in the storm, Sing a worship song unto him. Sing unto the Lord. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. That chorus, sing it in the midst of the storm. Sing to the Savior. 
and then have the comfort, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Then we look at verses 16 to 19 of this psalm. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me and my strong enemy, from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Look at that deliverance. And in those just few verses, you see me 12 times. Because it's about the personal relationship for that person who's crying out to Jesus. It's about that personal intimacy with him. Now another psalm we're going to look at, Psalm 107. Turn there. This gives us, you could almost say, this journey that we're seeing on the sea foretold. At what we're going to see described in this psalm which offers thanksgiving for God's deliverance. So in Psalm 107 verse 22 we read, those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and the wonders and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens, they go down again to the depths, their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Sounds like that straining. Then They cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distress. He calms the storm so that its waves are still, and then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of people and praise him in the company of elders. That's our God. What if that's a prayer for your family tonight as you move into the year ahead to remember who our Heavenly Father is and the strength and support that we have from Him and I point out again, praise to Him. Praise isn't about you. If you don't like singing, you don't have to like it. It's not about you. You're singing to the Lord. I don't know how to sing. The Lord hears it in tune. He has auto-tune. He's all good. So just sing to your Savior. I feel uncomfortable. Well, get over it. You're singing to Jesus. He, didn't, he went to the cross for you. Sing to our Lord. Sing to our Savior. Praise Him. Because as you do it, as you're praising Him, the words you are singing unto Jesus minister into your being. That's why I love the hymns, the old hymns, that Scripture, all of these words, sing unto the Lord. The psalmist looks to God. We look to Jesus. Now, in Matthew's account, we have that other piece, Peter, good old Peter. And Peter, what does he say? If it's you, command me and I'll come out there. If it's really you, God, show me. Jesus says, come. He obeys. He walks on the water. Miracle. Then he looks to circumstance, not the sovereign Christ, and he drowns. And he has to cry out for Jesus to rescue him. Reminder for us in the storms. Where's your focus? Are you lost looking at the circumstance? Are you lost in a situation God's directing to do something, but when we look at the math, the numbers don't add up. We don't, we don't have the money to do that, or we can't do X, Y, Z. Okay, are you looking to trust the Lord? God's leading you and directing you towards something. I don't have the skill set to do that. I don't have the, the, the ability to do that, okay? Can you lean on the strength of the Lord? 
If God's given you conviction and you're seeing the this, this scripture that's bringing that conviction time and time and time again, pray unto him, obey and walk. And when the storm comes, look unto him. Stay steadfast unto him. In the storms, where will you look? Whom will you look to see in the storms? And in our culture today, we really, really need to be mindful of that because when the storms come, everybody picks up their smartphone. The storm comes, and it's like the smartphone is Jesus somehow. If I pick this little square up, I'm going to find the answer. If I get on social media, I'll find the answer. If I get on TikTok, I'll find the answer. If I get on Spotify and listen to this, I'll find the answer. How about you go to Jesus, who knows all the questions, who knows all the answers, who knows the beginning from the end. Back in our text, verse 19. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. So they only have two or three miles left. Comfort comes to Jesus. They're afraid. But he said to them, it is I. Do not be afraid. It is I. The Greek there more aptly points to I am. Do not be afraid. Jesus reminds and reveals his deity in that moment. The tie to Moses, as I said, as we go through this, I want to just highlight briefly those ties. Think of Moses leading the Israelites through the water. Through the water. Think of the great I am statement of Exodus. And Jesus here says, it is I, do not be afraid. I am, do not be afraid. And we'd be remiss if we don't remember something about this storm, brothers and sisters. Turn to Matthew chapter 8. Because we could just look at the storm and say, gosh, they're in the boat, they have the storm. But let's read Matthew 8, 23 to 27 and be reminded of something. Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Storm at sea ain't new to these gents. This is not something new. This is the second storm they're going through. The first storm that they go through, Jesus is with them. He's right physically in their midst. And this second storm, it's almost as though he says, okay, the first one, I was with you, I was there. Now you're going to go through another one. Get in the boat, you're going to go. I'm not going to be right there. But you need to keep going and trust. You need to keep trusting. Can you trust Jesus by faith? Because if we're looking for signs and wonders all the time, you're going to be left empty all the time. Can you trust your Savior with faith? It's that song, even when I can't see him, you're working. Waymaker, miracle worker. That one's been on replay in my mind of lately. That is our Lord, the Waymaker. And we don't always see, but he is working. They could not see him while they were straining, but Jesus saw them. Jesus was praying. Do you trust the great I am and fear not? And then in our text, in verse 21, John 21, we read, then they willingly received him into the boat. Something important to point out about the storm. Jesus isn't going to impose his deliverance. 
Jesus isn't going to impose himself on the storm that you're in. You have to willingly receive him. It can tie to what we looked at with our Christmas charge. Do you receive the gift of the Savior? And we talked about receiving him unto salvation. We talked about receiving a fresh new filling from the Holy Spirit. And now we can add to this. Do you receive his presence, his guidance in the midst of the storm? Do you invite Jesus in before you say, I gotta, or I oughta, or I must? Do you say, Jesus, help? And it can be that simple. I think sometimes the enemy gets headway where we think about prayer and we think we have to have these strong, elaborate preambles. Lord God, I'm in the midst of pain and suffering right now. Father God, please, no, you can just say, Jesus. Romans reminds us when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit that dwells within us utters and groans for us. So just go before the king. For 2024, when the storms will come, who's going to steer your vessel? Who's going to steer your marriage? Who's going to steer your household? For all of it, the church, our beloved church, it's all the great I am. He increase. We decrease. The storms of life shall destroy the life that lacks surrender to Christ. If you lack surrender to Christ, the storms will destroy you. The storm came, and in obedience to him, it came after the obedience. Notice that. They obeyed what the Lord told them to do, and then the storm came. So I ask you, If God's directing you in something right now, and you take that step forward, will you trust and obey when the storm comes? Will you stay trusting? Will you stay yielded? Will you stay surrendered? Or will you waffle? Will you struggle? Look to him. Then back in our text, we see, so they willingly receive him in the boat, and then the second half of verse 21. And immediately, Euthios is back again. The boat was at the land where they were going, immediately. So he gets in the boat and bam, two to three miles, traveled, storm over, they're on dry land. Boom. Praise God. Now from that, that is not a prescription to say, God, I feel convicted from the Lord that I have to do this, and there's a storm, and if I cry out to him, it's going to be all picture perfect. No, we're not going to go down the prosperity route, but I'll tell you this much. If in the storm you go to King Jesus, the peace that he gives, reminding you he is the great I am and in control, you feel like the storm's over. You could have six, seven, nine days, hours, weeks still of storm, and you're just walking smiling because you're like, I know who's in control. I serve the great I am. I know who has this. I am okay. And that's the beautiful thing of going to the Prince of Peace. Only one ushers in the peace that gives comfort amidst the storm. Mashiach, Jesus, only one. So we see different miracles and actions that took place in this. One, we see Jesus seeing them. Jesus knows. Jesus coming to them. Jesus having dominion and control. We see Jesus' miracle walking on water. Peter gets to briefly walk on water. We see the willingness to receive Jesus in the boat, in the storm. We see being surrendered to him and surrendered to his voice and presence in the storm. 
And then we see Jesus get the task that he told them to do, get done supernaturally. Jesus told them, get in the boat, head to Capernaum. Storm hits. His presence, he comes, he gets there. Saints, anybody here who calls Jesus my Savior and Lord, we all have a command he's given us. To share, to preach the word, to share and witness to others, and to run the race with endurance to eternity. And guess what? If you're seeking him, if you're yielded to him, if you're trusting him, if you're looking to him, you will get to the end. Because he will guide you there. He will bring you there. But if you make it about, I got to do this, I got to do that, the more I got to you do, the more you're quieting the Holy Spirit, the more you're not listening. And quite frankly, the more I got to is the more I find it's when you can quote the word of God, but you're not meditating and living the word of God. Anybody can quote scripture. Satan did. The reality is, are you living it? Are you abiding in it? Do you grab the Bible first or something else first? What are you actually doing with the word of God? That then you move forward in the storm with his word anchoring. It is written, whatever verse he gives. And that's what you go with it. So as 2024 strikes tomorrow, we have a brand new year ahead. The charge. One. Will you pray and commune more with our God in 2024? Will you make your time alone in the mountain, your mountain time, will you make that a priority, a discipline with the Lord? Make prayer a discipline. And I challenge the men in the room who are married, make prayer a great discipline for yourself and make it a discipline for you and your bride. And it will look different in different seasons. Three-year-old and baby on the way, it looks different sometimes. Sometimes it's just a quick, hey, baby, I'm going to hold your hand, let's pray. And then sometimes it can be long and, and, and a blessed, beautiful time. But lead her in prayer and lead your family in prayer. Beyond grace at the meal. Lead them in prayer. Make it a practice within your home. Make it something that you all gather and come to do. Two, how will you row amidst the storms ahead? How will you row amidst the storms ahead? They're going to come. Will you move forward with faithful peace or fearful panic? I encourage you to take the faithful peace. Look to the author and finisher. Look to who we know is in charge. Pray unto him. Seek him. And don't have the fearful panic come in. Because the enemy loves to try to stir up and put that storm. And I'm going to tell you, when you actually go in prayer to him, he delivers. My deliverer is coming. He delivers. And men, humble yourselves enough to let your wives pray for you. Because sometimes when we're in the storm... I'm good. I got this. And we just keep the guard up. You okay, honey? I'm good. I'm fine. No. Babe, I need prayer. Can you pray for me right now? And let her pray. Let her pour scripture over you. Three. Who or what will build your vessel this year? Your vessel. Your being. Your vessel as an individual. 
your vessel as a spouse, your vessel as a parent, as an aunt, as an uncle, as a grandma, as a child, as a niece, as a nephew, as our church. I go back to his word, his spirit, his way. The vessel, our anchor, needs to be the word of God. The anchor in your homes needs to be the word of God. His spirit. The Holy Spirit is the wind in the sails to keep us moving forward. If you're not communing with the Holy Spirit, you're missing out on a lot. Because he will lead you to the word. He will guide you. He will direct you. He will teach you. He will give you communion with our Savior. We've got to actually commune with the Holy Spirit. We've got to actually seek a filling afresh of the Holy Spirit to move forward. And his way, prayerful movement. That's what I think his way is. Prayerful movement. Because I've been in the word, I'm yielded to the spirit, and I'm moving forward to pray without ceasing. To give thanksgiving with all things, to rejoice, and to move forward. And when the storm hits, I remember in Matthew 28, he says, lo, I'm with you. He's with us in the storms. And we remember, too, the armor of God. And I'm not going to read the whole armor of God, but I'm going to read the verse that starts the armor of God. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not about our strength. It's not about our power. It is not about our might. Not by power nor by strength, but by your spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's by him. It's by his direction. It's by his guidance. So as 2024 hits, my first thing, if you're sitting here and you don't know Jesus, what are you waiting for? If you don't know Jesus as Lord of your life, King of kings, as your Savior, if you can't realize I'm depraved, I'm a sinner, I have no hope, I got to keep taking the reins and it's not working, I give it to you. I'm depraved and I need you. Let today be the day you give your life to him. Let today be the day that you know after you say Happy New Year tonight, 2024, you're a new creation running for his glory. And if you already do know him, for Voyage 24, for the journey ahead, Calvary Chapel, Chapel Hill, my prayer for this body in 2024 is we are deeper in him. That we are deeper in him. That we are in the word of God that we're sharing the word of God with one another, that we're praying more with one another, that we're seeking him more, that we're deeper in him. That any time people from this church gather together, these are under the arm, whatever home you're going to, and they open up and you're reading together, you're praying together, and you're growing in him. And then guess what also happens? Deep discipleship. Because the older folks pour into the younger folks and vice versa. So my prayer for us as a church, we get deeper in him. We have the men of this church being strong men of God, leading strong families. And we grow for his glory. Will you pray more? How are you going to row in the storms? And who or what is building your vessel? And that last one, take the time to go through. You may have to cut some things out. You may have to shift some priority time. Because how much are you feasting on this? This is our guide. This is our lamp and light. How much are you in it? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, Lord God, we give you thanksgiving, Heavenly Father, for who you are, Lord. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord. We thank you for the love and care that you give to every single one of us, Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you that when we have storms in this life, Lord, we can look to you. And Lord, I pray that you help each and every single one of us as this new year begins, Lord, be leaning on your strength, be leaning on your might, be leaning on your spirit, Lord, and that we just crush I. That the only I in our lives would be the great I am, Heavenly Father. Lord God, I pray for each and every single person of this church, Lord. You have put together such a beautiful, precious group of people. Lord, I pray that you help each person in this fellowship draw closer to you, Lord. Abide in you. Lord, help the bondage, help the strongholds to be broken. Help faith to be had in who you are, Lord. That this body of believers grows deeper and deeper and deeper in your word, in your character, in your faithfulness, Lord. That we would not be shaken, come what may, Lord. Please be with each person here, Lord. Be with each family of this church, Lord. Lead and guide them deeper into communion with you, Lord. For the homes that aren't anchored enough, help them to anchor more, Lord, in the word, in the spirit, in the way. For rigidity, break it down, Lord. Help rigidity to come aside. Help new eyes to be seen. Where legalism is creeping in, creep it out. Help, Lord God. Help this body of believers today, Lord. Let us prayerfully seek you more, worship you more, praise you more, and love you more. In Jesus' name, amen.